Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martini. The madness is here, and it's multiversal in scale. Welcome once again to the Second Print Comics Podcast. I'm the rambling man, Remzo Martinez. Go ahead and do me a favor. Follow me on Twitter at HeyRemzo. And while you're at it, Second Print Comics at Second Print Pod on Twitter. You can get in the fights with Mark and I, and maybe one of your favorite comic creators will eventually block you. But who knows? Today, Mark is out. Go ahead and use hashtag find Mexican Mark and see where he's running around in Florida as we continue on with our summer vacation series, throwing in some uh, non-format episodes. So go ahead and feed your craving for more content on the things that matter the most. Speaking of it, we've got the man himself. You know him from the Second Print Comics Patreon. He had to live through the Falcon and the Winter Soldier for double the runtime compared to the episodes you know him from that, what if, and so much more. He's also the host of Profiles in Liberty, Mr. Caleb Franz. Caleb, I'm sorry for spoiling Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of, in the multiverse of Madness for you. In fairness, you were, uh, you were not the first person that, uh, that, that spoiled it completely for me. Um, I, it, avoiding certain large spoilers were, was, was fairly difficult. So there were a few things that I expected as I was... Um, as I was entering the theater, uh, but I was very pleased with how little of the actual story was was spoiled for me, which was sort of the biggest thing. Obviously, those those big name cameos and things like that, you can expect to to have some sort of uh, some sort of spoiler there. Yeah, when uh, when Caleb but, and I were coordinating this, uh, I knew he was going to have to wait a few days to actually go see the film. He actually had to wait a full week. I kind of jumped the gun, so I'm immediately sending him like all these moments, like "Do you remember this moment?" Sending him all these photos, and he's just like, "I haven't seen the movie yet." So that that was how I, you know, it's like kicking a puppy by accident. Like you know, it was an accident, but it just kind of sits with you. Like, have I have I ruined somebody's somebody's day? Have I ruined somebody's MCU experience? Hopefully not. But before we get any further, please go ahead and support the show for as little as $5 a month. We put everything back into Second Print Comics to deliver you more awesome, fun content regularly. You can go ahead and support the program at patreon.com slash secondprintcomics. Um, we are going into spoiler territory. Now, if you're a Patreon supporter, you heard a non-spoiler review from Mark. So if you have not seen Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, a.k.a. Doctor Strange and Mom, uh, you might want to miss this episode or wait a few days. Other than that, you're fucked. Let's just go ahead and get into it. I th- this uh, we, we were talking offline a bit. This easily became one of my top five favorite MCU films, period. The fact that they let Sam Raimi do his thing uh, was just 
a moment where it solidified this as the MCU's first major horror film. I think Elizabeth Olsen was horrifying and hot all at the same time. And Benedict Cumberbatch, for me, finally felt like Doctor Strange. I've had criticisms of the MCU Strange since his first debut in his first film. But for me, this felt like the Doctor Strange movie that I've wanted to see all along. Loved it. Cameos galore. Violence galore. This is probably neck and neck with Homecoming. Homecoming probably edges it out only in pure pure nostalgia. But this is like on a different. Part, you mean No Way Home? Yeah, No Way Home. Did I say Homecoming or whatever? Anyway, yeah. Iron Boy Junior.'s third movie in which he actually becomes a legitimate, respectable Spider-Man. It's on par of that because of Toby and Andrew. But this was just out of the freaking park. I loved how they just jump right into it. Uh, that was that was uh, that was probably one of my favorite uh, aspects of this movie. Is you get placed right in the middle of the action and it doesn't stop until the very end of the movie. And even then it keeps going a little bit longer. Like that uh, was very pleasing to me. I, I did not want um, a whole lot because I knew the runtime was only going to be two hours, but I also knew that Sam Raimi was directing it and he did some pretty great things with two hours of runtime in those first two Spider-Man films. Um, so, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of like quiet moments, which maybe would have uh, helped uh, the movie get a little bit higher in my, in my ranking uh, somewhere, you know, kind of in the center of the film, the center or the back half of the film, if, if there were one or two more uh, quiet or intimate moments, but uh, by and large, this was so much fun. Like it was a pure bananas, multiversal horror, uh, just I, I I don't even know like what, <laughs> what to describe it after that. Like it, it was like just insanely fun to watch. Um, the cameos were great, um, but I I also felt like um, it was ridiculous, but in a way that didn't really take me out of it. You know, it, it was ridiculous in the fact that it's like, yeah, we're getting this, and it's it's pretty ridiculous, but also I kind of love it so. Yeah, like this makes me feel really kind of weird about Phase 4 because I could probably say that Phase 4 Marvel has some of my least favorite Marvel content. Yeah, but I then agree. you get moments like this where it's like, you know, the the curve is really skewed. You've got a lot yeah. of people scoring Fs in this class and it's like, you get an F, you get an F, you get an F. And then you have a few A pluses, this and No Way Home definitely being one of them. Shang-Chi being like an honorable mention. I'm, I'm not really including a lot of the Disney Plus shows, but just yeah. in terms of actual feature films, um, I mean, it's it's one of those moments where it's like, I feel that they've had their experimental phase. I mean, to bring in the, the lady who did Chloe Zhao, who did um, Eternals, you know, I I don't, I don't disrespect Marvel for me for allowing her to do that. It's a very different movie. It didn't feel like an MCU film and very much. I could say the same thing about multiverse of madness, but just because it doesn't feel like an MCU film, I'm not equating it to Eternals. What I'm basically saying is Eternals wanted to break from the MCU format and it did it really poorly. This kind of did while still staying within the boundaries. And it was tremendously better because one director does not like superheroes in comic books. The other one is a diehard fan, almost on the same fanatic level as a Zack Snyder. Yeah, this was the equivalence of like, 
Star Wars bringing in Dave Filoni, basically. Yes. Uh, it, it's, it really was. Like, yes. This is that level of like, he respects the content, he respects the characters, but he's so good at directing uh, his vision and, and has such a unique take on um, not just superheroes, but just movies in general. Um, and his like Ramyisms were all over this film. And I loved that. All the like the quick shots, the quick close-ups and and the and and all the different horror vibes and the phasing in and phasing out and all of those things were fantastic. I I I really loved uh I really loved all of that. There were a few a few issues or maybe not even issues, but um a few things that I wish they would have done a little bit differently. This is still not my favorite piece of Doctor Strange content. Um, I still give that to what if episode four, mm. which I think is the pinnacle of Marvel content. That, that's uh, a, that's a this, hard one to beat. Yeah. And, and what I liked about that one is it gave me like, this was very much campy horror, um, which is still a lot of fun, obviously. Um, but that one was very dramatic horror. Uh, and, and I do think it, it, it was like, I would consider that to probably be the first or at least the soft launch into uh, horror into the MCU was that episode. Um, and I enjoyed that a little bit more uh, because the stakes felt just that much more serious and that much more dramatic. Although that's not necessarily a diss on this because this was a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, as a Sam Raimi fan, of course, a lot of people go back to Spider-Man 1 and 2. Spider-Man 3 is not a Sam Raimi film. No, that was a Sony Pictures film. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Dark Man. Like, those are the moments where it's like if you wanted to see somebody really stretching the limits of their craft and really, uh, you know, showing you their strengths – it yeah. was this in the way, as you mentioned, the camera pans and the layouts and the pacing, the fact that they actually showed some practical effects for once. I mean, the yes. fact that they did not just, you know, put put Cumberbatch in the mocap suit for when he was, um, you know, zombie strange. That I, moment, I just I was say, just like, well, let's, yes! just, let's just get into that part. Like, just now, jump in because I, I loved the entire third act. That was incredible that was honestly the moment where i was like okay i'm following along with you it's it's really good even once we got those cameos and when it really started getting into those like horror elements i was like all right this is this is pretty good um still waiting for it to just have that like you know that that moment where i'm like this is top tier mcu content and it when, came, when the arm when, comes out of the bricks, oh my gosh that, that was, was so what i was great. like that i was is like so this is perfect. it <laughs> <laughs> that was like night of the living dead and you had like the and that was the the moment where sam raimi just went full-blown like all right I, I don't care about whatever you're trying to do. <laughs> See, we're going to make a Raimi film <laughs> from this point on. And you had the uh, the souls of the damned reaching out, and then he starts controlling them and uses them as a cape to fly over to Wanda. <laughs> that was awesome. This and that, like like, that was easily moment. one of my favorite sequences in the entirety of the MCU. I, I'm I'm long going to think of that as like, the moment that the the MCU really broke out of its its mold for for the better. This was to Doctor Strange what the Pickle Rick episode of Rick and Morty was <laughs> yes. through that show, and I and I use that example 
specifically because one of the screenwriters for this movie was on board for multiple seasons of Rick and Morty. So uh-huh. when you know that, you see a lot of those Rick and Morty isms throughout the yeah. film, and it, it I, th- I enjoy it more that way. I was like, if they were going to do this, especially if the introduction of America Chavez. I thought they were really going to give her like a lot of dedicated screen time. I actually felt like she was there appropriately. Like she, she was a living MacGuffin, but like she served the, she served the plot and it actually made, made some things a little bit more enjoyable because you could see that back and forth between her and strange. Now I actually, I, I had a good hunch as soon as they showed, uh, because in the film, obviously we're in spoilers. So, you know, um, in the film, like in the first, 15 minutes uh defender strange who's the one with the ponytail running around with america chavez uh gets killed and brought into the main mcu uh 616 universe um and uh his body is left for dead and i and strange hides him in in a roof and says this isn't the first time i've hit a body (laughs) which was quite uh quite amusing but i i knew as soon as they showed his corpse i was like Oh yeah, this is I, I can see where they're about to go with this. And but it it didn't take away from the the actual reveal whenever he said, Who says that I have to be alive in that in, in the universe? I was, so I was like, this is they're going here, they're going here. And then they did it, and it was great. I loved it. It was awesome. It it was moments like that where I'm just like, oh, they they're just going to jump the shark with this one. Like it was a moment where it's just like they Disney won't allow them to occupy the body of a dead Doctor Strange (laughs) who looks like a zombie. Like they will say, well, think of the children with nightmares. But all the children in the theater where I was watching it were like, holy crap, dad. And all the dads were like, holy crap. And everyone else was like, oh, hell no. He took over a body. That was yeah, the whole, I, the I, whole dream walking thing. I didn't know how it would work in this film, but was that cool was concept. so cool. Yeah, it was, it was very well done. Um, and I just, uh, you know, to put a pin on that part of the film um, in particular, I, I really enjoyed the, uh, what they, how they used the souls uh, of the damned uh, in, in that sequence um, and how it was trying to drag. Well, I, I felt very much like this is like a drag me to hell uh, sequence in in the in Doctor Strange. Like that was the movie that I initially thought of um, whenever I was watching a lot of that part of it. Um, but uh, it was, I mean, it was great. You had like the the deadite voices and <laughs> and the souls. What do you think you're doing, Strange? Yeah. <laughs> Taking over a dead body? It's like you're dream walking into this. You're going to hell. It's like, yeah, holy yeah. shit! Like that's like that. That almost remind me of like uh, you know some of the Tim Burton stuff when mm-hmm. he would have demons in any of his films and stuff like that. It was, it, it was a, it was you know so, somebody online said that that part kind of took them out of it. It sounded too campy, but it's like no, if you if you know your horror, you understand that this isn't just a a, a thematic theme that they're going with. This is actually a throwback to a lot of those classics. A lot of the classics that were done incredibly well like those 80s uh 70s 80s horror films that were just the right appropriate amount of camp but also kind of like disturb you a little bit and kept Mm -hmm. you up a little bit at night like that's the kind of stuff that's just just wonderful especially for a film like like this because 
it was ridiculous. Like in, in a film like this and the MCU as a whole is, is quite ridiculous at this point. And they embrace the, the ridiculousness of it, which I really respect there. There's a danger of like trying to take things too seriously uh, in a film. That's like really ridiculous. You can do it. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's a delicate line to, to, to walk. You have to have a really talented director to be able to do that. I think the Russo brothers did it very well uh, in Infinity War and Endgame. But with this one, bringing on Sam Raimi, I think Marvel Studios, they knew what they were doing. Like they knew that like this is a ridiculous concept. So we're going to get quite a ridiculous director that just does it well. And they did. And speaking of taking chances, I mean, I, I did not anticipate Scarlet Witch actually being the villain. I didn't either. I was like, okay, I, I know Scarlet Witch is going to be in it. She, she'll probably have some kind of a dark streak, I imagine, uh, just by looking at how she looked in the merchandising material, and she looked pretty, like, gothic. Um, I, but I thought I was, this was going to be more Marvel team-up. Yeah, yeah. Doc but it wasn't. Woman. It was right out the gate, like, oh, wow, she's, like, she's the villain. She, <laughs> which, thematically, and, and from a storytelling perspective – it made so much sense. Like it, it wasn't something that took me out of it. It wasn't like, where did this come from? Because this was the natural progression after WandaVision where she got the dark hold from Agatha and uh, started studying it and started hearing the voices of her children through the multiverse and how the dark hold is this corrupting source of, of material. Everything just worked together. I thought beautifully to where, if it was handled by any other director, I feel like they could have easily dropped the ball on that part. But I, I didn't think that uh, I, I know some people thought that that Wanda's turn was a little um, a, a little like offbeat or a little jarring or their her arc in WandaVision was uh, somehow like uh, lessened because of it. I didn't think so at all. I thought it made no, perfect I, sense. Yeah, I mean, this is this is Wanda who's not it's Wanda, but not Wanda. This is a mm -hmm. deeply traumatized woman. And I mean, you really can tell by the fact that she actually does slip between her Sokovian accent and her mm -hmm. American sitcom accent. And yeah. really um, what I define as American sitcom Wanda, who is the Scarlet Witch manifested. This is not the same Wanda that you remember in Avengers age of Ultron or something. You're dealing with somebody who has let that part of her die. And she's embraced this part of her that is just like infinite power and somebody who feels robbed. I mean, she she brings it up in the film when she's like, you know, I, I had to I had to tear the stone out of Vision's head, and it was for nothing. It's like that. Yeah, that's no, not that something felt, that just comes out. Like that that's felt, just like shit. That's some trauma. Like, yeah, that felt real. That felt raw, uh, really. And I thought a lot of the uh, callbacks and the odes to Infinity War were done and and in game because there were a few of those as well. Um, they were done very well. I thought like. Because, uh, you know, in, in some of the, some of the films uh, since then, it's felt like they've almost tried to nerf the consequences of, of those films. Um, Spider-Man, they did it a little bit. And in a what if, uh, you know, did it uh, quite egregiously, in my opinion, <laughs> with the with the Ultron episode. Um, that was oh, where, where the, he slices Thanos in half. Yeah, that that really was off putting to me. Um this, I thought they, they actually respected 
uh, the films and respected like the gravity of what those films meant while still elevating the stakes, which I think is the way that the MCU needs to move forward, not by just uh, not by just doing this this massive power creep and slapping the previous villain down, um, but by recognizing that no, the previous villain was a serious threat, and the consequences of defeating that serious threat are going to bring about more serious threats. And I felt like that was very much like the angle that they were going with this, uh, especially with uh, some of some of the commentary and some of the dialogue that was dropped in the middle of the film whenever he meets the Illuminati. Um, and it really sets us up quite nicely, I think, for for the next uh, the next phase or two of the MCU. Uh, OK, now we have to just jump to the cherry on top of it, which is the, the cameos that people have been speculating about for years. I will say that there were two cameos. I actually was a little disappointed we're not there, but the cameos we did get, even if one of them was a bit more publicized than the others, really did um, make me happy. One was Namor. I really thought that we were going to get Namor here, but the- see, I didn't think I didn't think we were going to get Namor in this. I I I thought he was always going to debut in Black Panther too. I was hoping they would do just a little bit like, you know, oh, like who is that person? Everyone knows it's Namor. But then in Black Panther 2, it's like, oh, now you can really see who he was. I was hoping mm-hmm. something. And then I was also hoping we get Tom Cruise's superior Iron Man. That I thought was going to happen. Um, I didn't think that he he was Tom Cruise. I, I didn't think the, the image that everyone was like, is that Iron Man? Is that Tom Cruise? Uh, in the trailers. I didn't it was think always that was, a check. It was yeah, always I could, a check. I could tell like, like, if that's Iron Man, that's a very curvy Iron Man. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I didn't think that that's who that was. But I did think that he was probably going to be in the film because it would just kind of make sense. But I was still very happy with what we got. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the writers, I, I don't remember who it was, but one of the Doctor Strange uh, um, writers for this film did mention that he had requested Kevin Feige yeah, speak yeah. with Tom Cruise, but the conversation I never happened. Yeah. So it was always one of those things where it's like somebody heard something from a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. And yeah. next, you know, it ends up on CBR.com and screen rant. And everyone is thinking, Oh, we're going to see Tom Cruise, Iron Man, which, which I, admittedly it would have been really cool to see superior. Iron we can Man. still see that. I mean, and we so, still can. Yeah. yeah. Secret Wars is obviously going to be coming. Uh, and there's going to be plenty more multiversal stuff. Uh, so it's still very much in the deck of cards. We just don't know when or where, and it obviously wasn't in this film, but we did get a few great ones. So we we got, we got, well, I'm defining, and I think the internet has basically coined it nineties professor X who's basically spun off from the nineties and X-Men series. So so I, I actually have, well, we'll go through that and I'll, I'll kind of go into my theory about what the ramifications of that I think means. Yeah, so so we got him. And I gotta say, when he walks out in the yellow hover chair in the green suit, and they have the quick like five seconds of the, I was just like, "You can end it here," and I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> then they, then they really pull something out, which is definitely one of their boldest moves. They introduce John Krasinski, John Krasinski Mr. Richards. Fantastic. Yep. It was in that moment, like everyone was just like, <gasps> all yeah. the air was sucked out of the theater. And and I loved the way that they introduced him to. He wasn't just sitting in a chair. He freaking teleports there and uh, <laughs> and like this device that he creates and he's introduced as the smartest man alive. And I'm like, 
this is exactly the Reed Richards that we have long wanted to see for as comic fans that we have long wanted to see in film that has never been done right. And now like, this is the appropriate Reed Richards, the one that, that fans have, have long wanted. And it makes me very excited for what the MCU is going to do with the fantastic four, because the fantastic four is, has been one of my favorite like series. And it's always been botched and people think that they're a joke because of their film adaptations but they're a great team that, you know, they're a great uh, family in, in Marvel. Um, and just seeing what they were able to do with Reed Richards in this film, even if it was for a very split second, I'm excited. What would you call this like the ultimate fan casting? Yes. Yes. This surpasses Cumberbatch is Dr. Strange. People have been talking about that for surpasses a while. Rosario Dawson as uh, Ahsoka. Uh, this also like Chadwick Boseman, when he uh, came out with the Jackie Robinson movie, people were like, that guy could be in a Marvel film. Mm. So, I mean, it was that. But this is the... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Fan casting, like the one that everyone Completely was like, out of, of course, field. yeah, and, and it just made sense. And honestly, like, I would have been, like, kind of upset if they chose, like, literally anyone else. Um, Just because, like, to me, like, he was already Reed Richards. So Um, so let's touch on that real fast. Mark has a theory. And I I think you and I think it's it's bullshit yeah go, go ahead and yell at mark it later after you use hashtag find mexican mark to find where he is but mark has this theory yeah. that he is not going to be the mcu 616 however you want to find it he's not going to be reed richards in the fantastic four movie i think I, that's bullshit i think uh, there is like a, a possibility of that being true um but I don't think you bring John Krasinski in just for five five minutes of screen time. You, you and just would say, piss all off right, there people. it goes. Yeah, you would piss off way more people than if you just introduced a different Reed Richards from the get-go. Uh, I think this was meant to be a soft launch of the Fantastic Four, of, of the way that like a lot of people have been thinking what the Fantastic Four is actually going to look like. Whether or not... Emily Blunt is going to be Sue Storm. I have no idea, but I have always thought like, no, John Krasinski is like a fanboy. Like he, he loves this stuff. He, he would love to be a superhero. Like he's not going to turn this down. Even if it's not like the pair of them, I always thought John Krasinski was going to be uh, Reed Richards throughout the MCU, not just for five minutes of screen time, but for, for a trilogy of films. So, so there's, there's more, 
there's more like, you know, uh, fuel of that fire. John Watts, who directed all three of the MCU Spider-Man films with Sony, has dropped out from the Fantastic Four yeah. movie. Yeah. Now, and this came like within days of everyone basically realizing that Krasinski was Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Now they're saying like he might direct it. Which yeah. I, I like I the movies love. he's direct. He's, yeah, he's, I would he's love really that. good. I think, I think he's a great director. Um, and, uh, and I think that the way to me, it's very clear that the way they're going to go about this, which makes perfect sense because the way that you break the mold from the previous fantastic four films is just go full blown comic books with it and go full blown, like interdimensional travel, multiversal kind of stuff with it. And it, it set his, uh, Reed Richards up to be that kind of character. Um, and it also set, I think, uh, Dr. Doom up to be the perfect antagonist to that kind of character. Especially um, if they're going towards a Secret Wars type storyline. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that like we might get um, we might get like uh, a Reed Richards that isn't quite established yet in the main timeline of the MCU. But I think it's it's still going to be played by by John Krasinski. And then there's our last like weird cameo, which I kind of expected, but I didn't actually think they were going to do much with it. I'm pretty sure that my brother is the only person who actually will ever defend the ABC um, Inhumans TV show. But we actually got Anson Mount, who people might know as Captain Pike from uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. He returned in full comic accurate costume as Black Bolt. Yep. I love seeing him die. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed, um, no, I, I thought like his character was handled very well, which it naturally would have been compared to what was left over in, <laughs> in the Inhumans. Not a lot. Not um, a lot was left so over. <laughs> there was a lot that they could have gone about that with, with the Inhumans. Um, and uh, but I'm, I'm glad that they brought him back and, and brought him into the main timeline of the MCU. But this is also the thing where it's like. I think like I've seen some people getting like upset where it's like, oh, well, now we have to go back and watch Inhumans. Like, no, you don't. No. You really don't. You, you, you can just see him in this movie and watch him die and just be completely like, all right, that's good enough. <laughs> Feeling like you have to go watch Inhumans is tantamount to domestic violence. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that I don't think that you have to watch Inhumans to enjoy this like whatsoever. I know I didn't. So <laughs> so and, and I, I, you know, I, I they give really you all they, they, they give you all the exposition you want with mm-hmm. who everyone is. And with Black Bolt, it was Black perfectly Bolt, fine. Yeah. Uh, when, when they show his power in like the flashback sequence and everything like that's one of those moments where it's like this is that's all you need to know. So when yep. they when Wanda comes in, the Illuminati is confronting her before it just goes complete fucking bonkers um, when she went ahead. And I thought we were actually going to see like a big like fight, like a big clash of Titans. No, it's a massacre when she zaps his mouth away and he screams and he blows up his own head. That was like. Oh my God! That right there—that was there. the pin drop moment where you're like, "Oh wow, this is this is it's going there," <laughs> and it does. <laughs> that wasn't actually that was actually the second most shocking death uh, to me. Um, okay, I don't give know. the rundown. Give the rundown. Uh, well, the Captain Marvel thing I thought was like fairly 
fairly tame death. Um, she gets crushed. I mean, you don't yeah, see. she gets crushed. You don't really see it. Um, I also kind of expected it. I was like, all right, they're they're probably going to kill her off. Um, the uh, third most shocking death was to me Reed Richards. Um, I kind of expected him to die uh, in in this one. I don't think that his death in this one was any way shape or form supposed to mean that like well he's done you know i thought it was just bye john be, thanks for stopping yeah, by the line no, I, I thought it was meant to be an introduction especially the way he he gave the exposition on um on incursions and 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 the multiverse and all these kind of things which was very exciting um and just the way that everyone else's uh counterpart was basically a one for one and we're supposed to expect that his isn't going to be like i i just don't see that being very realistic when they killed him by straight up shredding him i actually had i found the clip online folks you could do wanda kills illuminati or wanda kills reed richards when i didn't realize it because they kill him really fast like when i saw Mm -hmm. him die in the theater i was just like what the fuck just happened when i went back and watched the clip not only does she shred him alive but his head blows up from the pressure and you see blood and everything it's just like a cherry bomb it's just like and i'm just like Oh my God. Like that yeah. is a vicious death. And also it, it was very chilling whenever she said, uh, whenever she said, Oh, do you have any children? Do you have any children or no? Do you have a wife? Is she still alive? And he said, he pauses and he says, yes, because he, he like knows what's about to happen basically. <laughs> and she says, good. Someone can watch after. <laughs> that was so just such up. a, such a screwed up but like baller commentary that that she had um to me the the most like vicious or the most shocking death was was captain carter's um just getting chopped in half by her own shield was intense it was something that i and seeing the blood in a way that not even in falcon and the winter soldier and you know that was something that i think we both agree was a highlight of that show when john walker just straight up caved in that guy's skull and you see the blood on the shield it wasn't nearly as gruesome as as the blood on her shield was you don't Um, get a lot of you don't get like a lot of blood and dismemberment and decapitations in in these marvel films this is them really and this is why some people are like should this have been rated r i don't think so i think even by today's standards it's still a pretty uh, pretty solid PG thirteen, but like a hard PG thirteen. Like you could make it the was, case, but it I was on. It was walking the line. Like yeah. they they showed or they didn't show enough to where it was like, all right, this isn't this isn't quite R rated. But I don't know how much more they could have shown without it going into that next level. You know. Yeah. And speaking of R rating, we have the Kenny of the Illuminati. Professor X. <laughs> yes. You, you would now, think that, that for was, the number of times was, we've seen him die, that this wouldn't have been as impactful. But like, as we were talking uh, when we were texting about it, like in the other films, like in Logan, when he gets stabbed and then in uh, X-Men, the last stand, when he gets, uh, you know, obliterated, those are loud, dramatic moments. You see it coming. It's still like, Oh my gosh. But it's like, you know, it, it, it's it, it was not the same as Wanda appearing behind him and snapping his neck. I thought that that one was the one that really showcased her power and showcased 
this is the most powerful being in the multiverse as it stands currently. Um, obviously there are a few, few characters that haven't been introduced yet that probably will surpass her. Um, but as it stands, like I can't think of anyone who is nearly as powerful as she is just given the fact that she was able to, to one off professor X by snapping his neck in a, like in a, in a mind sequence. And it, and it translates into real life. Like that's straight up intense. Um, and you have like, she looked like a, a witch, like an actual witch uh, in that sequence because it was the Scarlet Witch because you see the, the perfect like uh, duality between Wanda and the Scarlet Witch in that sequence, which I thought was very well done. Um, so yeah, that was that was intense, and I, I thought it was probably the best death of Professor X that we now had. Now have had three. <laughs> it's the only time where I've looked at it. And I'm like, he's not coming back from that. No, like no, they kill him. Not this and they, version of yeah, him. like they kill him, and they never explain how he comes back. Like they never did that in any of the X Men films. The deleted scene where he's in a dead man, where he's in a comatose man's body. I don't count that. I don't count that at all. That's such a cop out because. Fox did a horrible job of explaining it and keeping their own continuity together. Yeah. But when he dies and he just, like you see his physical version, he just slumps down. It's like, yeah. Oh my God, she killed Patrick Stewart. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, I thought that also did, I don't know if you noticed this, but the Ultron bots and the Ultron programming, this was not the James Spader Ultron. This no. was the version because the statue that she uses to crush uh, Captain Marvel Mm-hmm. That was uh, a really cool Easter egg that I don't think a whole lot of people saw. Wait, 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 wait. Who was the statue? The statue, the statue was, of the guy with the hammer? No, no. Or the, the, or the, the lever? No, the statue was of the female uh, Ultron. That Jocasta? Was from, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my that, God, I completely why, missed that. That's why all the Ultron bots were a little like curvy. Effeminate? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they had uh, feminine features. Because it was the female version of Ultron, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the James Spader. I completely that universe. I completely missed that. That's why, and and I I believe um, I may have missed the the exact uh, explanation of this, but I believe Reed Richards was the one who sort of perfected the Ultron programming in this universe. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was her. It wasn't uh, the James Spader one. So I thought that was a that was a really nice nod to to the comics i i completely missed that but that is why that explains a lot though and, and i mean this is uh this is a universe do they may, maybe you caught this i don't think they had an iron man i don't i i don't think so either i think um reed richards was the iron man of this universe basically um and i i think that they kind of showcase that in uh, well, I'm, I'm sure there is a Tony Stark. Let, let me just be clear about that. But I, I do think that Reed Richards was meant to be like the superhero glue of this universe rather than Iron Man was in the 616. I, I could totally see that. Well, there's uh, there's only one last thing on my plate, which is I love the Bruce Campbell cameo. Yeah, Pizza that Papa. was that was great. Yeah, um, I do think so i i there was a one other thing that i i kind of wanted to touch on which was the uh the alternative in game sequence which i thought was 
a pretty cool way to go about it, showing that it was the Illuminati that defeated Thanos in this universe rather than um, rather than the Avengers. And that I thought was uh, I, I hope that they explore this more like with what if, um, because that I think would be such a really cool way to uh, to showcase all the different timelines and all the different universes, uh, especially as we move forward with like the Fantastic Four. If nothing else, John Krasinski will appear <laughs> in like a what if uh, version because he's already shown to be one of those alternative versions of the character. Um, also, my my theory that I was alluding to earlier is that this was Captain Carter's universe from the what if series and that the X-Men 97 series is going, cause obviously she appears in uh, basically the Avengers uh, timeline uh, at the end of the, at the end of the show. And um, the X-Men 97 series is going to be in the same universe as that Captain Carter, which is why we see professor X as he was there, because that was supposed to be that professor X, not the one from the Fox universe and um and captain carter and it's all part of the same uh the same mcu timeline so i i i'm there with you like 90 percent. the only thing i would disagree with you on is x-men 97 because x-men 97 is going to be a, a direct continuation of the animated series that it's it's succeeding and in that show they don't have a, a direct like voice cameo, but you do see Steve Rogers, uh, Captain America and stuff like that. So mm. while I, I agree that maybe it's like a parallel version of that, I don't know if they're going to go as far as to try and do more of that than what it is. I, I still think that they're only going to make X-Men 97, the limited series, maybe a couple of seasons. I, I think they're doing this mainly as fan service. But then again, you know, I, I get what you're saying because that Professor X we saw in the movie is not the Patrick Stewart from the Fox films. Yeah. This is from the animated series down to when you see his mind powers and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that was a cool that was a cool visualization. I actually really enjoyed that. That was a very nice callback uh to to the X-Men uh animated series. Um yeah, I don't know. It, it could be an alternative universe where, um, or you know, a parallel universe, basically where it's like everything but that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be some variations in the way that they go about that, but I, I do think generally around that line line of thinking is that uh, this is Captain Carter's timeline, uh, and instead of the Avengers, because I I would imagine that something probably happened to the Avengers sometime between the the invasion of Loki uh, and uh, and uh, and Thanos. Uh, and it's probably something along the lines of like the the Ultron program. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what that would be. That'd be a really cool timeline to explore uh, with with what if, but um, we we shall see if they if they go about it any further. but I, I do think that that is the same you know the same general time frame. I, I think that's a safer play. Yeah, but I mean, with, with that, I mean, I, I don't care whether I'm right or wrong. The way that they're going with this whole thing, this is the moment that absolutely renewed. If it wasn't Moon Knight, at least on a movie scale, this is what has renewed my faith in in Marvel Phase Four. Well, like, for me, it was it, for me it was uh, No Way Home, um, but uh, this definitely sort of reinforced it. 
Um, I loved the the final act. That to me was like what elevated this from a pretty good film to a great film. Um, when the second that that arm shot up through the rubble and the lightning struck right, right it behind on. it, and I was like, "Okay, this is pre- this is pretty metal right now." Um, yeah, that that was what what really what really brought it forward uh, for me. I loved all the cameos. Um, I think. I, I also think that like that Professor uh, uh, Professor X in the main MCU timeline is not going to be Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. um, which does kind of lead credence to the fact that they can shift it up for John Krasinski. But I don't think like Patrick Stewart has been Professor X for the past two decades. No, nobody's really nobody's really asking for Patrick Stewart to come back. It's like oh he's here that's really nice. Yeah. But even in e- even in Logan, I was like okay like. Where, where's McAvoy in all this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas with, with, uh, with um, John Krasinski, his, his career is still very fresh. It's still very much ahead of him, uh, not behind him. And I think that they're not going to waste an A-list actor for one of the, one of the franchises that they don't really want to risk that much because it's already been so badly botched so many times in the past they want to do something that they know fans are going to love regardless of like, regardless of, of, of what their like top tier, like absolute fan casting is like people like John Krasinski generally. Um, and uh, I, I don't think I've seen anyone who has just absolutely hated that except for the fact that like everyone wants it. I have seen a few like contrarians <laughs> reject that idea for, for like that fun. reason. Yeah, they just don't like, you know, bandwagons basically, but like I I think I think it's a perfect casting. There's no reason to don't don't try to fix something that's not broken. So like, you know, they're I think they're going to go for it. And this is this is speculation. It's just a rumor right now, but it looks like it's definitely going to happen just because of the timing. Uh yeah. his Amazon series Jack Reacher is not on the docket for a for a renewal past season three. There's large speculation that season three, which has already been in production, uh, is going to be the last season of Jack Ryan on Amazon, which would basically leave a wide open space for him to work on something, not just as an actor, but as a director, also with the exit mm-hmm. of John Watts, to lead and direct the Fantastic Four film. And there has been... Um rumors uh that the official casting of the entire list of the fantastic four is supposed to be dropping um this summer uh, at some point that would that would be appropriate timing which would be appropriate because um because i believe that they're going to be going into production with that movie uh sometime next year so you introduce john krasinski as reed richards in 2022 you drop the official like full casting in summer of 2022 right after his debut and then go into the movie. I think that just lines up perfectly. You know, it's, it's too, it's too good to, to not, you know, to, to not, to not see that track record. Absolutely. Well, dude, as we wrap up, let's just go ahead and get to the final question on scale from one to 10. Where do you, where do you score this? I mean, we're not talking, where's this rank in the whole MCU, but you know, yeah. as a, as a movie on its own, I'm fuck it. I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. I would have only, yeah. the only reason I would have given it a 10 is if we maybe got like an extra 30 minutes of runtime. I feel like there was a That's little fair. bit more they yeah. could have fleshed out, but nine out of 10. 
Yeah, I would say either an 8.5 or a 9. Um, it, I mean, this movie was just so much fun. And uh, there there was a lot of great stuff. There, there were a few things that were holding it back. I thought some of the dialogue was a little wonky uh, or just like didn't quite deliver. Um, you wanted to see Elizabeth Olsen do more of her dream walking sequence thing. I, I would love it if Elizabeth Olsen was in a lot more of that movie. Uh, and, uh, and like, I, I, I felt like it could have been maybe a little darker, like a little bit more serious kind of dark. This, this was obviously a lot of like campiness dark. Um, but if it was a little bit more in tone with the, um, with the, uh, what if episode of Dr. Strange, um, I thought that was like the, perfect version of Doctor Strange that we've seen so far. If it was closer to that, it probably would be higher, probably would be closer to a 10. But I'm going to give it probably like an 8.5, uh, maybe a 9. I, I might have to go watch it a second time just to <laughs> just to check it out and reinforce my, my idea. Absolutely. Well, dude, if people want to go ahead and argue with you online and so much more, how could they do so? Yeah, you can follow me at Caleb Franz on Twitter. Caleb, thank you so much for joining us in this multiversal maddening episode. Folks, if you enjoy this show, please, it costs you nothing, but it means everything to us. A five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're listening to the show. And if you want more content, if you want to hear uh, more of Caleb and I and Mark and everyone else, uh, tossing out all the reviews. We just completed Moon Knight. We'll be doing something else very soon. Uh, I mean, we, we've got so much extra content, up to like an hour to two hours of additional content a week, only at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. Yes, I did catch that I messed up with the link at the beginning, but you know, go to Patreon, do Second Print Comics. We're the only ones there, motherfuckers. As always, if there's one thing that you need to do, it's this. It means more than anything end of the day. Read comics and change the world. Night America. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.